Welcome to the Spectrum of Health podcast. I'm Dr. Christine Schaffner, and today I'm speaking with Dr. Ava Detko. Dr. Ava Detko is a passionate practitioner, speaker, author, and educator. She studied natural medicine and the human mind for over 20 years. Dr. Ava successfully recovered from ME and fibromyalgia and reversed her Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Today, we're going to be talking about mind, body, and the vagus nerve connection. She has a wonderful summit as well that we'll be sharing. And I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome, Dr. Ava Detko. I'm so excited to interview you today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you, particularly about this topic. I'm so super passionate about this topic. I know you are, and I um, I'm really thrilled to be the interviewer right now. You interviewed me on your upcoming summit all about the vagus nerve, and I think this is just such a relevant and important topic. And the more that we learn around the vagus nerve, we um, understand that this is a really key piece in recovering um, from my lens, um, people's health with autonomic uh, nervous system dysfunction and recovering from a chronic illness. And I I know you have such a um, wonderful expertise in this that I'd love to share with our audience today. I have to say that I completely agree. It's the missing piece for a lot of people. And yet a lot of people who are struggling with their health issues are not really looking at this specifically. So I'm just hoping that we're going to bring this into the spotlight here and we're going to encourage more people to specifically hone in on, on the vagus function because that can make such a huge difference. You can just jump a few steps ahead in your healing if you address it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And we, before we, you know, uh, dive into really the science and solutions around um, your expertise, how did you really become knowledgeable and passionate about the vagus nerve? I have to say that uh, my story isn't really that unique i got into this field of uh, this field of natural medicine and specifically i deal a lot with emotional trauma through my own personal experiences and my own personal journey and i did have to deal with my own emotional challenges and trauma really to recover from chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia that i suffered from years ago it, it was really addressing those pieces that allowed me to eventually get out of my disease state and recover. I hadn't really been that successful with just dietary approaches alone. So this was a big piece. It was rebalancing the autonomic nervous system. It was absolutely huge. That really was what got my life back. And I had basically an accumulation of different traumas, starting from birth trauma. In fact, I had trauma in the womb because my mother uh, suffered a trauma whilst she was pregnant with me and obviously uh, as we can imagine there's a massive connection there and if the mother is massively affected then the baby will be affected Mm -hmm. and then sort of it snowballed from me after I was born and various other things happened but what actually what this led to it led to complete dysregulation of my nervous system. And consequently, as we go on, uh, the listeners will understand that when we have that complete lack of balance and that complete dysregulation within the autonomic nervous system, this will sooner or later impact our physical health. And that is exactly precisely what happened to me. 
And like I said, in order to get my life back and get my health back, I needed to bring everything back into balance, which, of course, is absolutely possible. Um, we will share strategies that people can use to do that for themselves later on. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And so let's just dive in. And I appreciate you sharing your personal journey. I think it's just such, um, you know, it's such, it has such a huge impact when you can speak from your own health recovery, especially, you know, my audience um, are a lot of people who are challenged with a chronic illness. And they often, you know, when you're in the thick of it, it's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel. So I always love to share, you know, stories of hope and people really recovering and what's possible and um, really empowering everyone who's listening. And so, um, again, a lot of my audience knows a, a bit about the vagus nerve, but um, if they're um, you know, kind of scanning their body. Um, what would we, what would you consider our symptoms and consequences of vagus nerve dysfunction? So um, just a reminder that the vagus nerve is, is the breast digestive toxifying heel. In fact, there is much more to the vagus nerve, but the ventral vagus complex is really the one that we want to stimulate, we want to increase. When we say increase vagal tone, we're really talking about this specific part of the vagus nerve called, called the ventral vagus that we want to stimulate, activate more easily and readily and make sure that that is a strong response. And so uh, you asked about uh, symptoms. Because the vagus nerve is like a almost like a central line going through our body uh, it's obviously the longest nerve in the autonomic nervous system it's a nerve that has so many different jobs it's almost when you stop and think about it you think how can that be <laughs> that that one nerve has so many different functions and roles and it supplies our heart our lungs liver, gallbladder, pancreas, obviously the gut, small intestine and two-thirds of the large intestine, as well as our immune um, organs, such as thymus and the spleen. And so <laughs> when you think about that, that, that this nerve is supplying, innovating all of those different organs, then you think, ah, so if this nerve is not working properly, then we're going to end up with a wide wide range of issues to do with those organs and and that's absolutely what happens so in terms of symptoms when people have any chronic inflammation issues for example that's going to be one of the key signs that the vagus nerve is not working properly and as we know chronic inflammation is at the root cause of pretty much every chronic illness that we know about and yet it is the vagus nerve that is the, the sort of primary mechanism by which we can switch off inflammation when it's no longer needed because, of course, an inflammatory response is appropriate in certain situations, but it's a chronic inflammatory state that we don't want. And that is what causes problems further down the line. And it is the vagus nerve that uh, uh, via the uh, quality, um, adrenergic, adrenergic uh, um, anti-inflammatory pathway that is actually switching that response off. So that's number one. If we have any chronic inflammatory issues, we can already think, well, okay, if I strengthen my vagus function, I can have an effect 
on my chronic inflammation and you would be definitely right in thinking that. So other things that will be happening here if vagus nerve is compromised, things such as issues with heart rate or blood pressure, um, also this inability to relax, any states of anxiety, depression, any inability to self-regulate, in fact, because the vagus nerve is a lot to do with self-regulation. So people who, for instance, have addictions or binge uh, a lot and, and can't self-regulate in that respect, definitely can do with correcting their vagus function. Also, when we talk about self-regulation, even things like making decisions, that, that kind of high reactivity to your situations, that kind of inability to really handle stress in a productive, constructive kind of way, but more being kind of like a deer in the headlights when the stressful when a stressful event takes place. That that also points to to this um, inability to to activate that vagus response when it's necessary. Another issue would be any problems with glucose uh, homeostasis because the vagus nerve will play a role in that as well and any issues with digestion so for example we already know that it's unlikely that somebody will be able to fully heal their leaky gut unless they address their vagus function also we've got involvement in issues such as SIBO and all sorts of things like inflammatory bowel disease that, that's been actually shown in research that vagus nerve stimulation can massively um, help those conditions and uh, any sort of microbiome disturbances. So that's the, the gut thing because the vagus nerve is part, part of the gut-brain axis and hence the connection. And I said, obviously, it innervates a lot of those organs. So, so there's going to be a knock-on effect there. And because, obviously, we have um, the nerve, vagus nerve supply in the liver and gallbladder, any, any sort of liver and gallbladder issues, it's not to say that this is the only reason why gall, liver and gallbladder issues would be there, uh, but uh, certainly if vagal tone is weak, uh, then the liver will not work as well as it, it can do in terms of all the tasks that it has to, to do. And other symptoms to look out for would be things like, for instance, voice modulation. So people may actually know um, people in their environment who, for example, have difficulty modulating their voice and projecting their voice, that their voice is kind of monotone. And that's definitely a sign of vagus nerve issues, as is um, a problem with, with swallowing, any sort of problems when people, for example, sometimes say, oh, you know what, I can't swallow those pills they're just too big I feel like I'm going to choke and sometimes they could even have a drink of water or even have a bite of food and, and very easily choke uh, if we have those sort of issues uh, then definitely that's going to be a sign that there's something not quite right with the vagus nerve and when I mentioned the, the, the chronic inflammation so obviously any autoimmune issues those sort of issues which connects back to that brain and memory issues also, chronic pain issues. So when we already have those chronic disease states and we have been dealing with them for long periods of time and maybe with some success, because obviously 
we still need to make sure that our diet and lifestyle is dialed in, then obviously certain protocols that we're going to jump on at the beginning of our journey, because normally people just go to nutrition first, and that is important, but we mustn't stop there because you probably find that it will get you some of the way, mm-hmm. but at some point you will start progressing in your healing, and yet you're not going to be quite where you want to be in your healing. So anybody who's listening, who's relating to, to what I'm saying here, that they maybe have gone sort of part of the way with different dietary changes and lifestyle changes, and, and yet they feel that mm, could be better then perhaps if you haven't looked at this in more detail before, then perhaps it's time that you do that. Mm -hmm. That's such a comprehensive list and overview. And I know many of my patients are checking, you know, the boxes on that list and seeing themselves in that. And, you know, before we move on, um, you mentioned a really important point where I think um, there's a lot, it's hard to maybe digest and we don't, um, um, people might not understand this, but there's a dorsal and a ventral vagus nerve um, or branches of the vagus nerve. And you just described the dorsal or I'm sorry, ventral. <laughs> um, can you um, please share, um, you know, what the dorsal vagus nerve is and just anything, you know, and want to share about that? Yeah, I think that's actually quite, quite an important thing to, to be able to place where the vagus nerve is in relation to everything else and so we have our central nervous system which is the brain and spinal cord and then we've got our peripheral nervous system and within the peripheral nervous system we've got the somatic and autonomic so basically it's a voluntary the, all the muscles and all that skeletal uh, stuff and then we've got our involuntary which is the autonomic nervous system that i already referred to earlier on and it's the autonomic nervous system that is broken down into the sympathetic nervous system, which is the fight and flight response, and the parasympathetic. The parasympathetic is the vagus nerve, but here's the thing. Within the parasympathetic, within that vagus nerve response, we have two different responses. One of them is the rest, digest, detoxify, and heal response that I said, if when we're talking about high vagal tone, that's what we want. We want to stimulate that part of the vagus nerve and activate that. But the dorsal part of the vagus nerve, this is the old vagus, and that is to do with the freeze response. And so people may have heard of freeze response, and basically the freeze response is, is basically complete shutdown mode because Usually what happens when a stressor comes along, first thing that's going to happen is that we're going to have this, what we call the the ventral vagus or the social nervous system kicking in. So, for example, say somebody approaches us and we're trying to figure out at first and the social nervous system, which is the ventral vagus, is actually the part of the nervous system that enables us to read people's facial expressions and assess whether they are a threat or if they're not a threat. So that part of the nervous system kicks in first and we're trying to work out, okay, is this a good situation? Can we befriend this person or are they going to be a threat? And then when we, when the nervous system decides uh, or we decide from all the stimuli and all the um, kind of input, sensory input that we're getting, if the nervous system decides, oh, okay, there's something to be afraid of here, there's, there's a threat here, we are going to then jump to the fight or flight. That's what's going to activate next. So 
we are going to either try to run, run away or fight the threat. So that's the fight or flight. However, if, well, if either of those works, then great, that's threat dealt with and we can just go back to being in rest and digest and everything is peachy. But every now and again, what's going to happen is that we realize that actually we can't fight and we can't escape. And that is when the dorsal vagus complex will activate, dorsal vagus nerve, and we will go into freeze. And you see that in nature with animals when they, they just play dead, basically. So, so this is this is our old Vegas, and we evolved um, with that, obviously, because back in the day we used to well, our ancestor our ancestors used to you know fight lions or mammoths or whatever or run away from them. But every now and again, when they knew they couldn't quite fight or fly, they would play dead and they would freeze. And it's interesting because when you look at chronic illness, particularly things like chronic fatigue syndrome, when you talk to people with chronic fatigue about fight or flight, a lot of those people will not identify with fight or flight. But when you talk to them about shutdown and freeze, they will more they identify more with that. So so it's almost like they've gone past the the sort of simulation of fight or flight and they, they're so overstimulated that the body's just completely in, a, in in this shutdown mode. And that is where a lot of people with chronic fatigue, that's where I was when, when I got to a point where I couldn't get out of bed in the morning because for a period of time that, that's what, what was happening. I would get out, get out for maybe an hour, two hours, and then I had to go back to bed. I couldn't function for, for more than that. So I definitely, at that time, related more to the fact that mm, my body is not really in that fight or flight mode. It's in complete shutdown mode. Mm -hmm. And so, so I hope that that explains a little bit more how the, the different parts of, of the Vegas, how they sort of come into play. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's an excellent explanation. And I know uh, Dr. Stephen Porges does a great job of a lot of his research around this piece. And I, you know, I think it's um, when I direct patients to that work, it can be confusing to understand this. And so I think, um, no, you absolutely explain that well. And I guess, you know, obviously we have to, um, and restoring and recovering the vagus nerve, we have to, um, you know, assess which part is more um, or needs more support or needs balancing, even though probably both of them do, and then, um, you know, identify solutions accordingly. Um, do you, uh, just before we kind of dive into more more of this, um, do you use any other um, assessment tools or have you found anything to be helpful, like heart rate variability or other, you know, measurements to um, really, you know, evaluate vagal tone and uh, the functioning of the vagus nerve, anything just anecdotally that you've found useful? Yes, obviously, heart rate variability is an excellent tool. Um, heart rate variability coherence, if anybody wants to look at heart math, that, that is obviously a great tool. A lot of people love that and use that. I would say that I do go a lot on symptoms. And um, obviously, heart rate variability is that support tool. But I, I, I don't sort of push it on my clients in the sense that you know certain apps obviously are free but other things obviously go along with a mild cost um, 
And sometimes I know that we need to do, for example, trauma work with this patient because they're already telling me that that's the issue. So I'm not necessarily going to insist that they measure this every time. Some people like to measure, some people don't. I personally, I am in, in the camp where I like to measure everything. I come from a research background. I just want to measure everything. And for those who like to measure, this certainly that, that is a heart rate variability is the, the measure of the best measure that we have of vagal tone, really. I mean, there are obviously other indicators, like, for example, bowel transit time and also heart rate. You know, we can use heart rate to a certain extent because if somebody's got a dysfunctional heart rate, then we know that heart rate variability will be dysfunctional as well. So we could use sort of those tools as well. Um, but from my point of view, when I work with people, I suppose when they approach me, they're already telling me in the, in terms of describing what is going on for them, uh, where we need to work and how we need to fix things. Uh, so if somebody wants to measure, by all means measure. But I think your symptoms will tell you that things are improving without any shadow of a doubt because there is going to be psychological um, pretty much almost I would say almost immediate, sometimes signs that things are picking up and things are improving. And then obviously people will then see a knock on effect on the gut function, on the brain function and, you know, function of all those organs that they might actually have a problem with. Mm-hmm. So, so do, do, you, do you know what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. it, it, for, for some people, they will definitely want to know, hey, I started here and that's where I got to. And in which case, using tools like HeartMath or Aura Ring, that's another one that people like, Aura Ring. But it's not something that costs a few dollars. It's actually, for some people, that will be just too expensive and they, they're not going to want to do it. But, you know, if something um, like that interests you, then the O-U-R-A, Aura Ring, um, could be something that you could look at, look into as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more of my patients are using the Aura Ring as well, and I am. Um, yeah, I haven't implemented that um, in my practice um, as much, but I think there's a lot more tools for the, you know, the patients who need um, that objective feedback, and also um, looking at progress um, as well, right? So it can be another way to track progress. Of course, how you feel is another, of course, wonderful measure <laughs> to track. Yeah, progress. because do you know, do you yeah. know what I do? I actually get people to score their symptoms before and after. So you know, if we identify that there, there's certain things going on. Uh, let's evaluate that. It's, it's a simple, simple zero to 10, you know, just do it on the scale. And then a few weeks later, do it again and trying to be as honest and objective uh, as you can be. And then, you know, even something like that, because that doesn't even cost, that doesn't cost anything. It's just something that you can, you know, keep track of your symptoms. And then you know that, that things are improving. But most people, they just know. They know they feel differently. They know they're feeling better. They know they're able to make better decisions. They know that they're not as snappy with their partner or something like that. There are so many of those little things and signs. So they will know that things are changing for the better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wonderful. And then, um, Ava, what about, you know, why is our vagus nerve 
so impacted and dysfunctional. I mean, we've touched on that, but I just kind of want to get people to understand and we can go, we'll go into the trauma and stress piece in a moment, but what are some other reasons, you know, that you see that the vagus nerve is so, um, you know, under attack these days? And this is obviously definitely a broader issue because we know that vagus nerve can be impacted by toxins, and you talk about this a lot. We talk about vagus nerve toxicity. In fact, I think you told me that Dr. Dr. Klinghardt and yourself, you find compromised vagus nerve function uh, with in, in over 95% of, of your patients. And we're talking about a lot of it will be to do with vagus nerve toxicity. So we know that all sorts of toxicity, whether it's oral toxicity, of, through all the you know microbes and, and things that are going in out, but also clearly uh, toxins such as you know, your um, amalgam fillings, all sorts of environmental toxicity will come into it as well. So we know that the, we have that issue. So vagus nerve, as much as our emotional states will match, they will definitely affect it in a big, big way, but we definitely mustn't forget that it's impacted by various other factors as well. Obviously, it's going to be impacted by things like EMFs as well. So even, you know, regardless of anything else, if we bombard it with electromagnetic fields, man-made electromagnetic fields, then again, that's going to cause disruption within the within this nervous system and the nerve itself. And so, also, clearly, diet affects our nervous system. So there, there are all of those different factors. But there is, for sure, I mean, we have even a vagus nerve infection hypothesis, so I mustn't forget to really emphasize that clearly there are some nerve-lobbing viruses and infections, and we have that, that issue as well. But there is a big, big kind of almost like a, uh, I would like to just put it into a separate little box and, and call it emotional toxicity. So there's all that other toxicity. There's dysfunctional sleep. Uh, there's dysfunctional digestion because we're eating too fast. We're eating too stressed. So the, obviously the vagus nerve when it's dysfunctional will affect digestion negatively. But through our bad habits, we can affect vagus function as well we can affect our vagus function because we for instance we have dysfunctional breathing how many people these days have dysfunctional breathing and it could be that you are actually putting yourself in fight flight all the time for no other reason it's not even that you have financial issues or some stress in your daily daily life but purely because of how you breathe because if your breathing is really shallow you're going to be activated and you're breathing through your mouth all the time, then you're going to be activating fight or flight without even having any any other uh, stresses, chronic traumas or otherwise, right? So there are those different other factors that we need to be aware of. And the same with dysfunctional sleep. Dysfunctional sleep alone will obviously massively autonomic function. So certainly there are many, many factors. We obviously want to go a little bit deeper into 
chronic stress and trauma, but there are quite a few different things that we need to pay attention to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's a great overview and just taking a moment um, to highlight your summit that's coming up um, around the vagus nerve that um, we'll share a link and information around. What were some of the um, highlights or other, um, you know, perspectives of the vagus nerve that you just want to share at this point that you feel people might be interested in? I think when I uh, really to, to create a really comprehensive resource, you know, to look into why the vagus nerve is so important to health and healing and what indeed can affect it, what can go wrong with it, so to speak, and and the different things that can be going on. And also, obviously, I create I wanted to create loads and loads of tools and this is why we included a lot of practical sessions in the summit so each day we have a practical session so people can immediately follow in with maybe sound healing session or meditation or havening or something like that that we've got different things going on every day and immediately feel that impact on the nervous system which is very positive but uh, specifically what was interesting to me um, the people were sharing their different experiences with vagus nerve and vagus nerve issues. And a couple of people talked about how one of them actually had a vagus nerve problem as a result of a very stressful experience that she had. And the experience was it, it shook her up so much that she actually developed um all sorts of issues across her body um, and somebody you know pointed out to her that actually it's going to be the, the vagus nerve that has been impacted by this traumatic experience and she was put on this protocol of vagus nerve exercises for I think she said a few weeks I can't remember how many now but it was a few weeks so when we think about how many years sometimes people deal um with the problems for you think a few weeks of a, a specific protocol that's, that's not too much to ask and it wasn't very complicated it was just literally a few minutes here and there of various vagus nerve simulating things that she was doing and she completely healed that issue and another person had a vagus nerve infection she had an infection at, that caused one side of her face to drop to a point where I actually saw the picture. She actually showed the picture in um, in the interview. She shared her screen and we shared that picture because it looked like she was having a stroke. Basically, she looked like she was stroking. It was that bad. And it turned out to be an infection <laughs> of the vagus nerve. And what she was describing was that immediately following the contracted disinfection and immediately she started having issues with her gut. She started having issues with her liver. She started having issues with her heart and lungs and various things. It's just almost like the whole body, like a cascade of different problems that it caused. But again, she's a sound healer. I, I really recommend that if people haven't experienced sound healing yet it's one of the beautiful um, modalities that we can use to heal our nerves and repair our nervous system and she used her own sound healing to repair that damage and to bring herself out of that 
stay and and she completely healed it so to me that was quite amazing to hear those stories from people that it, it doesn't actually have to take that long her situation was quite serious she one side of her face just completely drooped i mean it looked really serious but yet again a few weeks of work with this particular uh, aspect of healing uh, has actually got her out of it and and she's got completely back to normal so to me i think the most probably um sort of like an exciting thing that i got out of doing the summit is that we when we really put the work into this we can see really profound results reasonably quickly it doesn't have to take years and i think that's quite exciting to know for people i love that and i um no, I, I love sound healing and I, um, you know, interviewed when I did my summit, Eileen McCusick, who has this whole field of biofield tuning, how she uses tuning works. And, you know, it's like these other modalities that can, you know, that work with these other um, aspects of her body beyond just biochemistry that can really accelerate healing. And I, I think that's just such a beautiful story to share. And um, no, I, I love in my personal life, um, you know, going to sound baths and we have the HUSO equipment at the office and, you know, tuning forks and try to in a, um, integrate that work because I, I think it has just, yeah, a very powerful effect on, um, yeah, our, our being all levels. So no, what a beautiful story to share. And Ava, you've shared, a, you know, a lot about this already, but I, I just don't want to, um, you know, I want to make sure you share everything that's on your mind around uh, early trauma and stress and how that impacts the vagus nerve and the autonomic nervous system. And you even alluded to, um, you know, trauma or stress in the womb and how that can affect, um, you know, the setup of our autonomic nervous system. So if you want to just dive a little deeper into any of those topics right now. So really when it comes to trauma, we, we need to be thinking more laterally. We can't just be thinking trauma, PTSD, no, I haven't had any any major traumas in my life, so therefore I'm okay, this doesn't apply to me. Because really we have an epidemic, talking about pandemics, we have literally a pandemic of attachment trauma. This is so extremely prevalent, so extremely prevalent. And the reason for that is because when we are growing up when the first few years of our lives we are so so susceptible and vulnerable really it's so so easy to mess up a little child even when the parents are loving and caring they don't necessarily have to be abusive it's just so easy to do and you know that is basically that goes right to the core of that onion it's not going to be if we have attachment trauma, it's not just going to affect our superficial perception. It's going to affect the very core of who we are as well as our beliefs and our perceptions. So it's basically going across all the emotional layers of our onion, if you like. And so um, we need to also understand that obviously there are many mechanisms. Hello? Oh, yeah, it's still there. Okay, good. Um, so there are many mechanisms uh, how trauma, in, in way, the way that trauma actually has an impact on our autonomic nervous system balance later in life. And uh, we know that it, trauma affects us epigenetically. It, it affects the gut. It affects the microbiome. 
but what, what it does in terms of the nervous system, it actually literally rewires our brain. When we are exposed to stress and trauma early in our life, what is what that's doing to to the nervous system it, it almost it it resets it it rewires it and we become more hyper vigilant and we basically even though the brain normally scans for threats that's how we've evolved that's what we do that's what the brain does but when you are exposed to stress and trauma in your early days that's kind of like it's wound up so many fold it's it just becomes so out of control so we become super hyper vigilant and we constantly constantly uh, put ourselves in that fight of life even if the threat is not there it's just that the brain says we need to be hyper vigilant because we survived this traumatic event or with the stressful event whatever that may have been and now we must not make sure that since we survived it that one time, great. We must make sure this never ever happens again. So we we develop this hyper vigilance to absolutely everything, and that is basically how we end up with this crazy imbalances within our autonomic nervous system, and then further down the line, all all those physical issues. I know we we're going to talk about this much more in the summit because I think it's such an important topic to understand all the all the aspects of it all the nuances of this so people can really dig deep and really help themselves at a, at a deeper level that is really what's what's necessary to to iron out all those issues within the autonomic nervous system. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you're doing this summit because you are um, you know, just piquing also my interest and curiosity in so many other ways that I can support, you know, my patients. And there's so many modalities as the research is coming out. And I um, know I'm, I'm so grateful for, you know, I, I know how much work it um, takes to put together a summit. And I know that you poured your heart into this and it's, it's going to be phenomenal. So um, Ava, before we wrap up, is there anything else kind of on your heart or on your mind that you want to share with our audience, um, and of course, we'll um, you know share uh, the summit link in the notes, and we're gonna um, yeah just definitely send a lot of people your way because I think this is just such powerful work. So I, I want to say that wherever you are in your journey right now, even if it feels like oh, oh you may have you know you you're one of those people who say oh I've tried everything and I'm still feeling so bad and I don't feel that you know I'm getting anywhere, please try to address your health from this angle that I'm talking about because if you make that commitment to it and true commitment and in in the summit I I really really encourage people to to join that event because they will find out so many wonderful tools that can help them and if you really make that commitment you will have an impact on your healing that you've not had before if you haven't done this work so that I can promise you right (laughs) and so I just want to say wherever you are right now and however sometimes hopeless things may be feeling I want you to know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and you haven't tried everything yet because I can tell you there will be modalities that I'm going to be talking about that you have never heard of before so yeah that's a promise 
and I'm going to tune into, I want to learn, you know, maybe some modalities I haven't had in my toolkit yet. And so, um, so no, we're just so grateful for your time and your message of hope and your own healing story, how you've really transformed your own experience into helping others. Um, we're really grateful, Ava. So thank you so much for your time today. And again, everyone will share all the information that Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share my passion with everybody here. Thank you so much. Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed my conversation today with Dr. Ava Detko. Please check out her wonderful summit. All the information is in the show notes, and I hope to see you soon.